And they was like, you know, Apple is trash. iPhone is trash. I'm rocking this, uh, I don't know, what's the newest, what's the newest Android? So what's the one that blew up? Seven? But hopefully they ain't rocking that one. It's the 10. The 10 whatever for Android. And they was like, yeah, we got that Android. I can't find it. And I'm like, okay, now I can tell them, hey, you get on Spotify, download for Side Podcast Episode 3, and listen to it because it's going live now. Yay, yay. So that's the first thing. Second thing, shout out to them Texas Tech Rad Writers. Yay, yay, for making a first final four appearance. Now, if I told y'all how much money I made on that bet that Texas Tech would win, man, <laughs> y'all might see me with a with a gold Jesus piece. I might have to get a so I've been one so since I was young, you know. I was a Wu Tang fan, right? And when I saw the Shaolin, Wu Tang, I saw Meth in particular. With the gold diamond grill with the Dracula fangs? Man. <laughs> if I can find somebody in Oklahoma City, Dallas or Houston, that can make me the gold, just the top. I think I just want the top. Just the gold with the Dracula fangs just in the top with maybe two diamonds. Oh, man. I'm, I'm copping. I'm definitely copying with the money, you suckers who bet me that Tech wasn't going to win to make it to the Final Four. Now, I done already said, they're going to play Michigan State, so Duke should be losing today. Like they're playing right now, it's halftime right now, where I'm recording. So after Duke lose today, right, after they lose today, Texas Tech going to beat Michigan State. We're going to be in that championship against Auburn. Like that's how my post-bracket looked. So I had a, pre- a pre-bracket that I threw away like after the first – like Thursday after the first day, I threw that away. And then I made a post bracket where I just waited. And then when I found out who's going to be in the Sweet 16, I did it again. And so when I did it again, Texas Tech is my national champion, right? So I figured they was, you know, they was going to beat Virginia. Virginia was trash. But Texas Tech was my national champion in this new post bracket. So, yeah. Yeah, so whoever want to bet me on that Michigan State Tech game, please do. So then I could be able to afford the, the lower part for the grill with the Dracula teeth and the diamonds because I'm, I'm definitely copping. Yay, yay. And so, let me tell you something. I got friends, right? So they got cars. They buy their cars and they'll never drive them nowhere. Like they always renting. They do the rental. Like you go, you renting a car to drive to Dallas? Like my friends don't come to see they like. Like that's a that's a two hour that's well that's like a two that's like a two hour and forty five minute drive to Dallas you gonna rent a car for that why would you do that like you got a car that you paying like you paying four sixty five a month on that car that you got why would you do that and then rent a car on top of that that's half of your car payment for the moment you just could have rolled your car right and so I got a car and I ain't drives my car so I used to be in Utah from Utah from '08 to '16. Right, so before I became a professor here in the South, I was like, hey, we driving. And when I tell you that 20-hour drive was extra trash, it was all of the extra trash. Because you couldn't drive home in the winters because they had to block the mountains off. So you had to go from Salt Lake City to Wyoming, like Cheyenne. Then you had to, that's like nine hours. Then you had to dip down to Denver. Now that run is only like two hours, but then you had to run all the way from Denver all the way across to Wichita. Man. When I tell you that whole drive is like 20 hours, 18, 19 hours, 
Yeah, I hated it, but I wasn't going to rent no car to do it. That's my car. I paid for it. I'm going to roll out. So I spent the last two weeks rolling out. So Dallas-Fort Worth is five hours away from where I'm at. And Oklahoma City is five hours away. New Mexico is five hours away. Denver is eight hours away. Houston is eight hours away. And San Antonio is six hours away, right? So I'm in the middle of a cotton field in Nowheresville, literally. Excuse the rhyme. And so I decided in talking to my therapist about this podcast thing, she was like, the only way you can do it is if you're serious about it. Like you got to be organized about it. You got to treat it like your life depended on it, right? And I realized that my anger, as black men, we've been often taught to internalize our anger, and we carry that anger, and sometimes we have maladaptive coping, coping strategies, so we become alcoholics, or we uh, spend 20 hours a, a day on a video game, or we go home and abuse the people we care about, right? And so I was like, okay, I got I to gotta be invested in it. So I bought the Podcasting for Dummies book. So now I'm reading up on that. So I'm starting to learn about that. It's kind of like a, a learning how to write another dissertation, right? Because I don't know nothing about podcasting or, or social media, really. And I'm fumbling through this process. Like, I fumble in real, like, in my real life, I'm fumbling as a person. Like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, I can't think of her name on how to get away with murder. Like, Elise Keaton. I talked about her last time. Like, as a professional, she's on point. But a personal life... Not so much, right? So my personal life is, is pertains to my anger. I'm trying to get through it, right? And so I got the podcast for Dummies book. And then, because I listened to the Joe Budden podcast, one of his hosts, co-host, is this guy named Maul. So Maul is the is Big's brother who created Rockefeller Records with Dame and Jay. And so he came to Fort Worth <laughs> to do a master class. And so I drove his stuff. Fort Worth, I've been to Fort Worth just for football games, the Dallas Cowboys, before I boycotted two years ago. So we two years running, so we boycotted football again, because even though Cap took the payoff, he took the buyout, still, right, the NFL is trash. So we heavy NBA Thunder fans, but that's a sad bar. So I drove to Fort, Fort Worth, right? So I get there, and it's in like an industrial park, trying to find it, and it's this little hole-in-the-wall place, right? It's, it's where they make T-shirts. So... <laughs> So, we, so they got a they got a studio where that's a rap recording studio. They got a uh, uh, a camera studio. So if you want to take pictures of Instagram, you want you want to do your Instagram model thing. They can take pictures of you there, or they can record your album in the in the studio B. But in the back of it is where they make T-shirts. So I don't know if y'all ever seen the print press. Where it's like several. It's like a wheel and spokes, and on each of the spokes they got a place for the T-shirt where you press down and burn the ink on it and make the T-shirt. So we was in there. <laughs> That's where they held it. So I, it was hard for me to find. I parked and went in, and it was just, it was just beautiful. Like the interaction was beautiful. It, it was a perfect example of a regular space and regular place with extreme knowledge in the space, right? And so we had these little folding chairs, right? So we sat down in the folding chairs. Maul came out and represented for two hours. In 11 minutes. Because I recorded it, right? So I'm like, you know, I do lectures at universities. It's been times, like, it's not a master class, but it's a lecture about the topic that I'm talking about, right? And so I've talked about stuff I write about. 
I write about gender no all racial battle fatigue, about racial trauma that black students experience on predominantly white institutional campuses, about black student activism, all that stuff, right? It's not called a master class, but, you know, it's me speaking about what I mastered, the knowledge I mastered. And so when I got there, sat down, talking to some brothers, and so we debating hip-hop, greatest albums, who's hotter, like my generation is debating, well, East Coast dudes debating Biggie, Jay-Z, and Nas. That's who they debating. Like my favorite MC ever is Andre 3000. Hands down, he's the best MC ever, lyrically. If he wasn't in a group, he would still be the greatest MC ever, but most people be arguing. Well, you know, Andre's in a, he's in a duo, right? So he's in a duo. So my favorite rap group is A Tribe Called Quest. Greatest rap group ever, A Tribe Called Quest. Greatest duo ever, Outkast, Andre 3000. Is the greatest MC ever, but solo MCs, they debating who's the greatest Biggie, Jay-Z, or Nas. I'm debating, is it Tupac, E-40? Like, I, I'm a West Coast, I like West Coast hip-hop, right? So I'm thinking, it's, it's either E-40 or Tupac. If we, if we talk about Ice Cube, Young Ice Cube, right after N.W.A., when he was with the Bomb Squad, Hank Shogley in there, woo, <laughs> America's KKK most, that album. Yeah, Ice Cube, that's, that's the greatest debut album ever in the history of hip-hop. Even though some people would argue Illmatic, I'm going West Coast and going with my man Ice Cube. But anyway, so Maul comes out. We go in there. They got a couch that looked like they got it in 1987, right? Like ain't nobody sat on it. Like, you know, that's the couch. Like it's sitting there, but you don't really sit on it because you don't know. I mean, it ain't no plastic on it. Like at your grandma's house, but you're sitting there and you're kind of wondering, like, should I sit on that couch? Like, what be happening on that couch? Like, after hours, you be born. Like, you don't even really know what's going on with that couch. Is you know, because the arm parts is worn off of it because it's pleather, so it's not really leather, but it's just sitting there in the warehouse, right? And then they had the stool. So on the Joe Bun podcast, Maul does his talking on the stool, right? And so Maul comes out and he's like, "Yo, ain't no format to this. Y'all ask me whatever y'all want." Two hours and 11 minutes. And so I loved it. Like, it, his, his interaction with the crowd, with the group of us that had questions. So some of us were recording artists. Some of us were podcast people. Some of us had it was some brothers there. I want to say from New Orleans. They had like, a, um, like a, uh, a fashion thing. So they brought him clothing from their fashion line, which was hot. And so we sat down. And he talked about a variety of things, right? We asked questions. So my question was about ownership. About how, so now that they got the Spotify deal, how do you, they make sure that they own the rights to their podcast? So Spotify came to them. They weren't seeking the deal. Spotify came to them because they turned, he said that they turned down a title deal. So Jay Z came to them and was like, yo, we want to do the title deal to bring the, spot, the podcast to title exclusively. And they turned it down. But they turned it down for control, I'm assuming, or ownership, right? Because even Joe talked about, how to deal, that wasn't the best deal. People would think it was the best, but it was the best for them at the time, right? And so he talked about ownership, and there was a lot of people there that, I mean, the energy, just the young people, there's like a lot of 20-somethings, a lot of 30-somethings, and they pursuing their dreams. And it was just, it was, the energy was, it was wonderful. So I, I love that. He also talked about not wanting to be in the shadow of his brothers. So hip-hop and bigs, like they, if you know the history, they major players in hip-hop. East Coast hip-hop, major influencers for sure. Right? And he said they would come to him and say, you want to get on this? You want to be in this video? You want to do that? And he's always been like, nah. I love y'all. I want to claim I want to claim my own lane. 
Like I, I got my own throne to sit on. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's fire. Like he's independent. He wants to do his thing. He talked about the chemistry. Joe Bunn podcast works because they're all friends. So they've been knowing each other for 15 years, right, or more. And so the chemistry is there. And he talked a lot about just projects he wants to do on the side. <laughs> like, like he was like, you know, hey, I'm thinking about doing something for my ice cream truck and rolling around and talking to people that influence hip-hop that way, just in the hood, just a regular thing. Because even though he's a, he's a wealthy guy, I mean, he came in with the, like the $5,600 Louis Vuitton backpack on. I was like, man, <laughs> that Spotify money must be extra nice, right? But he's extra humble. And so I really did like the things that he had to say, and it, made, it just made me say, you know what, as a creative, I've been talking my whole life. Right? So being a professor, I talk in lectures, but it's really structured. Like, I, I can't bring hip-hop references into the classroom. You know, I, I don't want to usurp my own authority because I'm black talking about hip-hop again. Right? They stereotypes. Right? They make some money. I don't want to do all that. But on the podcast, I can do whatever I want to do. Right? I can explore the things I love, things I don't like, offer some critique and some upliftment. You know? And that's, that's what I've been doing. And so that's the one thing I did. Second thing I did, whoo loved it. I, I'm gonna start it out, then I'm gonna talk about it on the backside. So I went into the studio with Mustard and I was like, I wanna write about this situation I was going through, right? That I'm the type of person that I can make stuff up in my head and make myself believe that it's true. And it's really not. And Loki, I think all of us are like that, but you guys don't have to admit it. it's okay, I'll admit for you. But this particular situation I was in, I knew I was in the wrong, but I didn't know how to say sorry. Like, verbally. So I figured I would write a song about it. And I just found out that this song just went double platinum. So San Antonio. I don't want to hear any more nonsense about a remix is better. Let's do this. Me and my daughter wake up. The show is Thursday night. So we wake up. She wakes up at like 6.35. I don't get out of bed till like 9. Right, so we, we got to prepare, get fill the gas up. I had to put oil in the car. I had to do all this other stuff to get ready to make the drive. She tells me, Daddy, I, you know I got my driver's license. I'm excited about this LMA concert. And then I want I want to make, I drive down there and I drive back. 12 hours in the car ain't nothing. 36 minutes into the drive, she's asleep. <clears throat> she's knocked out, right? So I'm, I'm, I wanted to listen to my podcast anyway, not mine, but just, you know, some podcasts that I hadn't caught up on. So I got to do a lot of listening. So we drives down. I get the ticket. So when you download the tickets with Ticketmaster, it just says the time. So I thought the concert started at 7. But the concert really, she didn't get on stage till like 10 o'clock, 9.30, 9.30. And so, 
We rushing to get down there. We check it to the hotel at like six. We get ready. And so we we get there. We uh we do we take a lift, right? So I don't do Uber, because you know that Uber, Uber supports some things I don't support. So we do the lift, right? So we get to the venue, ISIS and I, you know, we get there and we see the line. We we come on the left side of the building, we see the line ain't really that long. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we walk to the front of the venue and they're like, yeah, we just had the the uh meet and greet with LMA is over. But you, what you kind of tickets you got? We said we got general admission. They were like, okay, we'll take the general admission tickets and you gotta go all you gotta go to the right side of the building. I have never seen a line that long ever in my entire life. Ever. Now I'd have been to several concerts. I've been I'd have seen J and B, I'd have seen uh Jay, I'd have seen De La Soul, I'd have seen I'd have seen several groups. When I tell y'all, the line cut the building and went six blocks down the street, it was bananas. I didn't know LMA was popping like that. It was an Aztec theater. So if you're in Oklahoma City, it's like the Tower Theater in Oklahoma City. Right? So I was like, man, she popping like that? So we walking. We waiting. And I'm like, man, I can't. They, I heard the lady say, hey, uh, if you're 21 or older and you want to get be able to get thrown, you got to get the pink band. And so I was like, hold on, I said, I got to get the pink band. You know, I'm with ISIS. We're doing the lift. I'm hanging out with my daughter. I'm not going to get thrown, but you know, it's it's a concert, so I'm going to be in the mood to receive the music. I need to top off to get me the ready to receive the music. And so, I, you know, I get the pink band, and then I'm like, okay, what? She said, well, you know, if you want to get the, the cut the line band, the cut the line band is $20. Right? And so I'm like, well, man, we already, we had, we had 275 already. Just just on tickets to get in. So I was like, Dad, please, I don't want to have to walk. It's, it's a long ways to walk south. I don't want to walk. It looks like it's five blocks and I get that to go. So I pay for the 20 bands, right? So but the 20 band line is on the other side where we came in. So we had to walk all the way back around to the front of the building. Right? So we at the front of the building, back to the side where the tour bus is at. So we get in that line. Right, and so then we walk around. We wait for about thirty minutes. You know, people's cool. Everybody talking about the show, how they want to get turned, and so we ready to go. So we get in the in there. We get in the merch line. Whew, man, this this we had more lines than a parallelogram that day. So we get in the line for the merch thing. And so I get ISIS. So you know me, I'm conservative, right? So I'm looking at the cheapest thing they got, most affordable thing, because I'm frugal. Is like eleven dollars for the socks. So I'm like, Isis, we can get these socks. Man, when you wear your slides, you wear these socks. You're going to be popping. And she and she hit me with the look like, you know, my grandmother seen me stealing money out of her purse. So she was like, Dad. 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 Like, that. that's her thing. She's chastising me. She she does that to me. When it, I don't care what it is. Whatever we're trying to do. When she gets in chastised mode, she hits me with that. Dad. 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 And I know exactly what it means. What I'm hearing her say is, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but this is what we're going to do. Right? And so I'm like, what, Isis? She's like, I want the sweatshirt. I'm like, baby, the sweatshirt is $80. Let's say LMA. I mean, I, I mean, unless the sweatshirt, unless you're going to hold your arms up and the sweatshirt just going to jump on your body, it's going to slide down your arms. I'm like, man, LMA out here winning. So, of course, all the other women with their daughters looking at me like I'm 
Ebenezer Scrooge. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the sweatshirt. So now she got the sweatshirt on, which I was cool with because she had the short shirt, like the sleeveless thing, so her shoulders were showing. I wasn't happy with that to begin with. And so I was like, yeah, go ahead, cover it up. So we covered up with the hoodie. So we waiting in line. So I see a representative of Cricket Wireless. Cricket Wireless got the best merch shirts on in the building. I'm like, what? I need to get one of them shirts right there. So I walk up to the sister. Hey, hey, uh, you know, can I get the Cricket Wireless shirt? Like, you got any more XLs? And she was like, nah, we don't have any more XLs, but I can't give it to you because you don't work for Cricket Wireless. And I'm like, yeah, that's obvious. I don't work for Cricket Wireless, but because you got the hottest merch on, and your merch is probably free to me, right? Can I get that merch? So I'm thinking I got divide what I paid for the hoodie plus the free merch shirt that I got for Cricket Wireless that it was going to be worth the money that I paid just for the sweatshirt, right? And so she was like, oh, I can't do that. We can't give it to you. And I was like, what? Like, which one of these dudes that work out here, like, do you think I could take first? The, the easiest, right? So I could take his shirt and then I have my Cricket Wireless shirt on with my daughter. And she was laughing. Sir, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. And I was like, okay. Well, I get it. So I go to the line, you know, get my grandma yay. Double shot. <laughs> gang, gang. And so she walks over and she's like, yeah. So tell me, your daughter, who is this? I'm like, this is Isis. And Isis, she's like, do you love Ella May? She was like, yeah, I do. Isis tells the whole story. My dad got up late and we got to drive down and he wouldn't let me drive six hours. And I was just looking at her like, really? You were asleep the whole time. Three of the hours you were asleep in the car, man. But I didn't say that. You know, she's telling the story. I love Ella May and blah, blah, blah. So then the sister says, where y'all seating located at. And I hope, you know, I'm holding up. I'm on the iPhone XX. I'm, I'm proud I'm an Apple user. I've been Apple user for 20 years. I'm like, yeah, this is where we sit and look at my digital tickets. We're in the mezzanine. She's like, oh, the mezzanine's upstairs. And I was like, oh, uh, well, on the, on the picture, it's, it's like a two-dimensional. I thought we was on the floor, but we wasn't. Like, we was, we was in the balcony in the mezzanine. And so she's like, well, how would y'all like to be in the VIP? And my daughter Nuts. Ah! So, she, so she ever, you know, so I got the golf clap, right? At certain events, you hit them with the, like, you can't even hear the clap, right? But when my daughter's excited, she hits them with the 50 claps in one minute. Ah! That sister said, come with me. They take ISIS into the back area. They video record her. Hi, my name is Isis. I'm an LA fan, and we drove down here. My dad got us here late, and we're here to see the show. I love her. I got her first album. You're really not a fan if you don't have the first album, if you just got the second album, because the one with my boo on it is the new album. You're not a day one like me. Blah, blah, blah. Thank you, Cricket Wireless. Yay! After that, they gave us VIP seats. Cricket. Wireless. I never thought I would say this. Everybody, if you got AT, AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, or uh, what's the, what's the next tail? The pink one. Is it, what's the next tail? You'll say, no. Oh, T-Mobile, yeah. Yeah, well, you got T-Mobile, cancel your service right now. Everybody get Cricket Wireless. I will say today's Facade Podcast, Season 1, Episode 3 is brought to you by Cricket Wireless, but it's not. But everybody get Cricket Wireless. And we kicked it. Oh, the VIP was, oh, it was extra term. It was, it was, it, it may have been like 2,400 people there. And so, it was great. It was, 
th- those are the things that I, you know, that's going to set it off with the intro. Because I'm feeling good about today's podcast. It's, it's a great day. It's kind of chilly outside. I got my hoodie on, SMU hoodie. Every time I wear it in the streets, people be like, oh, SMU, you from Dallas? And I'd be like, no, nah, I'm, an, I'm an alumnus of Southern Methodist University. Yeah, yeah. And I just got the SMU Black History Makers Alumni Award. Yeah, yeah. For the work that I do in the community to help persons raising black children, right? And you ain't the same race as the black child. I do that body of work. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I like to wear the sweatshirt out. Wore it out today. Got stopped by somebody. Went to breakfast. Went to where the place I went to go to breakfast today. It was closed. They had a lock on the door. It was crazy because I thought it was a new place. And I went up there and I, I called a number. And it said the person's number that you called. Not the business. And so it made me think that, yeah, it was kind of shysty. So I didn't get to eat breakfast there. Anyway, I, and I went to Cracker Barrel. I don't really like Cracker Barrel. But still cut still cut oatmeal is delicious. So that's what I had this morning. But anyway... Those are the four things that I just want to top to, to top us off to getting us to go there. And so, y'all know the format. My therapist is great. So, as I say this as a black man, therapy is okay to get because we need help. If you hurt this side, get pay your money. You, I'm a professor. I got good insurance. Best I had my whole life. Good insurance. Pay to get your therapist. Put your ego down. Put your emotions up. Right? It's okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to get up to to be reflective. Right? To consider your positionality as coupled with your immortality. Right? Had a discussion with your therapist. And so my last visit to the therapist, I had an assignment. She thinks she's slay. She gave me uh she gave me two assignments, right? And so my first assignment was I need to find somebody, right, who I believe, has transitioned from who they were to who they wanted to be, right? Because that's mostly my, that's my conundrum. Like, who I want to be, right? I I don't get to be that person in the public sphere. I get to be who I am, right? And I am who I am, but people see me as a professor. But that's what I do. That's not who I am. And so the person that I selected is full Professor LeBron James. He's the guy to me. Right, so and LeBron James is not the guy because he beat the greatest team ever assembled, the seventy-three and nine Golden State Warriors from down one three and one three straight to win four three in Golden State for the championship. Not because of that, right? Not because he won the, the chip twice with the Miami Heat. Not because he didn't transition to L.A. and he filmed Space Jam too. None of that, but because he is more explicit and vocal now than he has ever been, right? And so, I'm going to play you a clip of the barbershop, and then we're going to come back on the backside, and I'm going to talk about it. I think maybe one of my biggest concerns in my career is just to figure out how to exit gracefully. I've watched people overstay their welcome, and I just don't ever want to be that guy and that's addicted to the feeling of, of victory, addicted to the emotion of people digesting something that they love and be, get to a point where I'm feeding them something and they're just like, yeah. What, what, what helps? What helps with the, with the gracefully bowing out is having people around you that was there from the day one, that's seen you from the beginning. They help you gracefully bow? Yeah, you can't, you can't have motherfuckers around you that don't keep it honest with you and keep it real with you. You saying you need somebody to tell you. You gotta have someone to tell you like, yo, either accept the lesser role 
or you gotta just or you gotta tank. Now, this is what I'm thinking. So that's I love that LeBron James, right? He's I don't want to say he's abrasive. So I went through and I watched all the shops. So LeBron James, if you don't know, so LeBron James did this collab with HBO. He has this show called The Shop, where it is it's situated in a barbershop where he invites his celebrity friends, so Meek Mill, 2 Chains, Odell Beckham, um, man, Candace Parker, it's been several, Drake, that's, it, that's him talking to Drake, where he's just talking about life, right? But now LeBron is, he's, he's profane. Like, he's cursing, say the N-word. Like, to me, he's transitioned. Like, he, he got tenure, right? Like, he, he can be everything that he wants to be now, because he leveled up with his money. He leveled up with his stature. Like people in the hood respect him. He was the first player. Trayvon Martin is murdered 2012. You see the picture of the Miami Heat on Instagram. LeBron James got the hoodie on. Right? He spoke out against it. Every time there's been an injustice against black people, who you going to? LeBron James. Right? He, he is uh, Muhammad Ali after Muhammad Ali. Like he's just generations Muhammad Ali. He's wealthy. But he's still able to straddle the culture. So he's in the culture. He's working with Two Chains on Chains last album, but he's out here fighting for justice for people of color, calling NFL owners out like he's doing his thing, right? But he, I believe, even though he has always been vocal, the shop is like the real him, <laughs> like to me. He's a, the full professor, him in the shop, right? Again, with the profanity and saying the N-word. And so the different, he, he doesn't have any restraints on who he is as a black man that happens to be a father who is uh, married, who is a son, who is an NBA athlete, right? He don't have to just shut up and dribble. Now he's, ex, he's extra vocal, right? And so LeBron is my person. The parallel is he came in the game quiet, did his thing, Leveled up, beat Detroit, scored 25 in the fourth quarter. You got swept by the Spurs, right? But it was young Brian. It was 07, right? He was young. Makes the jump, takes his town to Miami. And he, he didn't get not one. He didn't get not two. Well, yeah, he got two. He got two in Miami, right? He didn't get the seven. He was proclaiming, but he still did well. He became more vocal. And now he's just like, it's whatever. And I look at him and I'm like, man, he's he's transitioned into who he is, right? He don't have to mute himself. And I feel like that's where I'm at. That's my that's my parallel. Like that's my person. That's my LeBron James. He's the person that I aspire to be in the performance of who I am. Right? Like he he moves like he don't have nothing to lose. And I got plenty to lose. And so even though I'm candid, I'm not super candid yet. Right? You gotta be strategic. When you move around. And so he's my template for what it means to transition from what you were to what you want to be, right? And, and, and I'm in that space. But then the second thing, my therapist was like, I need you to pick a song that to you, like it reminds you of what love is supposed to look like, right? So I have a lot of conversations about what self-love is, right? Last episode I talked about when I was young, a girl told me she was in love with me, and my response was, well, you know, that's great, but I, I can't love you because I don't love myself. Like, and I love myself now, right? It makes sense now. 
this, this iteration of me, or older me, looking back on a younger me, but even looking back on a younger, younger me, when I had to think, I was like, man, what, what song can I pick to, to play like that says love, like this is how love is supposed to be, right? And this is, I'm going to play the snippet because this is the song, I, I listen to several songs that I grew up because it took me all the way back to me growing up in my house, in the household, right? Whenever I heard this song, man, it was number smile. time my daddy was the only one that would play this song, right? James, he played this song. And so I didn't really know at the time, but every time he played it, <laughs> I, I didn't figure it out till later, like it was the, the celebratory song, right? It was the I Love Mama song, right? That he loved mama. Yeah. <laughs> and so this song makes me think about love. And what it should look like and what it should be. I mean, he, he usually plays it on Saturday morning. <laughs> After I woke up, right? I woke up to the song being played loudly in the house. So, yeah, this is it right here. Candle every day and pray that you'll always feel this way and pray that our love will forever be new. Stevie Wonder, so it made me think, like, this is love. Like, when my pops played that song, it was love, right? Literally, love going on in the house. And so that, that song right there, that's, that's, that's my song. I, I play it now. I'm revisiting this song, the song. Excuse me, I'm revisiting this song. And so when I play it for y'all, whenever y'all hear that song, something happy didn't happen in my life. That's going to be my celebratory moment that I share myself or, and some I did, right, with y'all. Because I'm, I'm here to be totally exposed. My therapist said I got to be in 100%. So I'm going to be totally exposed. I'm going to be vulnerable on this podcast because I'm a human. And as I walk through earth, there's nothing wrong with me as a black man being vulnerable, right? And so now we get, we get ready to cut into the second block. Like we're 38 minutes in. Either or neither nor. And so my either or is authentics or bootlegs, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, I want to get into it because, you know, I, I've been talking about movies. I'm talking about music. But, you know, part of hip-hop culture is authentics and bootlegs, right? So I got some authentics. I got some bootlegs, right? And I'm for authentics. I'm for bootlegs, too, right? Because they, they both matter. I mean, you got... Sometimes you got you got to have both, and, and I'm I'm okay with that, right? I'm okay with having both, and so authentics, right? So for me, 
I only I, two of the most authentic things that I ever saved my money up to purchase is so I got two things. I got my Rolex Oyster Perpetual Date Just 41, right? I got that. It's steel and white gold, right? And it got the, the illuminance on it. So when the lights go out, it's glowing. I still know what time it is, right? But I only purchased that watch because I earned my PhD. And I was like, you know, I need, I need a celebratory moment. You know how hip-hop is it's, it's, uh, flagrant with expression. I, I mean, I see the Migos. I'm like, man. They got two watches. I, I, I'm, so I never wear two watches at once. I don't understand that. Like, I got an iPhone. So I don't even know what the time it is. I can just look at my iPhone. But I got the watch as a celebratory moment, as an achievement in my life. Like, that's, it took me time to save my money to go get it. I spent, it was like a, like I went to the Rolex Masterclass. I went to the to the one in Salt Lake City a couple of times. This guy Dave Darren there. If you want to go get a Rolex, I recommend you go to the one downtown. Right, it's across from, well, not across, but it's, it's like by the, uh, where the jazz play. And go talk to him. He's a good guy. He'll hook you up with a Rolex. And so I got went there and got that. And then I got my Louis Vuitton messenger bag, right? It's the, uh, it's, it's the one I, it's, I call it, like it's my, so we have all these studies that say, you know, by 2050, the world going to be majority minority, right? And so my bag I'm used to seeing the Louis Vuitton bags with the brown body of the bag with the white stripes, right? So I won't get that one. So I got the one with the body of the bag. Got the LV on this, the brown with the LVs on it, right? And then it got the black straps, right? So that's my, that's my black and brown kumbaya bag. So it means something to me. But the only reason why I purchased the bag is because 2017, I had three publications come out in the same year, Gang Gang, and two book chapters. So I was feeling myself. I was like, yo, I need to celebrate this. There was a time in grad school. So I was in grad school. You know, I was, I was making that 14 5 a year. I, I wasn't broke. I was blessed. I was in between blessings. But I was eating that fried Spam and then fried bologna sandwiches with, you know, with that lightly, lightly torched bread, you know, with that mayonnaise on it. I was, hey, that's looking at my kids. I was like, hey, that's what we got. This, we chasing the dream, so y'all we dream chasing. Y'all got to be little meek meals until we get there. We, you know, we eating steak and lobster now if we want it. But back then we what we was wanting it. We, we definitely wasn't needing it, right? So those are the two things, the authentics that I got, right? Because those authentics matter to me. It's like um, they're uh, important to me. And so, but what's interesting to me is that people move differently when they see you with the authentics, right? So I don't move differently. But the people around me move differently. Like, I remember when uh, I seen this, this video about Jay-Z. And he said, when everybody's broke, it's all good. Right? Everything's even. All the love is good. Because we're all struggling together to get this bag and bring it into the warehouse so we can all split it up. He said, but when everybody's rich, then we all move as giants, as men, separately. But we can pull our resources to be collaborative. He said, but when one of us got money and the other ones don't, People change. And he said people treat him like Windows 7. They said they made him. Like they changed around him. They go out. Normally, they trying to scrape up money to eat together. But when he got the money, they expected him to buy. Right? So he was like, whoa, they, they own his, his financial privilege. They expecting him to restore it to them and get blessings from him because he got the money. Right? And so one day I'm in the elevator. 
Now, I've been, I've been here since 2016, my institution. So I'm in the elevator, right? And I'm looking. There's this one lady who never spoke to me for two straight years. I see her. Eye contact. She looked down like she's trying to hide. Don't speak. So one day I got my sweats on. I'm coming in and out. I got my LV on, on my shoulder, right? It's just a messenger bag. It ain't nothing big. I needed a... Uh, something for my computer to, to sit in, right? Because I didn't want to keep... I was going to conferences wearing my Oakley backpack, which is the kitchen sink. And for those of you who like Oakley, that kitchen sink bag, I'm looking bananas with a suit on with a backpack, right? I'm looking like I'm five years old, just got dropped off at kindergarten. So I can't have that look. I'm a professional. I got to be out here in these streets. I represent myself intellectually. Uh, so I can't come off as intellectually smart in my lecture, but look like I'm inf in not intellectual in my dress, Code in the way that I maneuver, right? So I can have no backpack, so I, I put it on. I'm in the elevator, right? She says to me, how are you doing? I was like, what? She's like, yeah, how are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I'm doing good today. And so a conversation ensues. But I thought she was trying to be friendly. She starts talking about her bag. Her Louis Vuitton bag that she don't even have. We in the elevator. Oh, well, I like your bag. Okay. I just want to say to her, I didn't ask you if you like my bag. Like, you ain't spoke to me in two years. I really don't care what you like. Why are you even speaking to me in this elevator? But I was like, well, if I say that, then I'll make you come off as hostile. And then she goes to the dean and be like, well, you know, I was in the elevator. And I felt like Dr. Hoskins made me feel uncomfortable. And I felt threatened for my life. And before you know it, I don't got no job. So... She continues to talk. Well, you know, I have the dummy eye with the uh, navy blue and the light blue uh, checkers. And I was, I, uh, and I was waiting. That was the first time I was waiting. I was pressing three. <laughs> I'm pressing the button while she talking. I can get out the elevator with her. And then she tells me all about her bag. And then we get off and she's like, mm, hey, have a nice day. I didn't even say nothing back to her. I just walked out. But it made me think, like, to some people, authentics is a part of who they are. It's a status symbol, right? It makes them feel better about who they are. Like they can speak to you because they identify with you. So she didn't, all them other times, she didn't identify with me as being human, right? She identified, at all, she didn't identify. But when she saw me with the LV bag, she switched up, right? And so even though I like authentics, I don't never switch up because I don't care what kind of bag you got, right? I don't care if it's authentic or bootleg because I got both. I don't got a Louis bag that's, you know, I don't got the L, the L-A Louis, but Louis Vuitton bootleg bag. Like, I, I don't got that. I'm sorry, I don't got that. But uh, I was with, I, I didn't like that interaction, right? So when I want people to see me, they want to talk to me, come talk to me. I'm accessible. I don't care about what you have. I care about who you are, right? But but the or is bootlegs, right? So I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this yoga and trying to make my body a better, my temple right in a better place, right? And so I'm like, hey, I need to, I need some workout stuff. You know, I got a lot of Nike. Like, I'm a Nike head, man. So I got too many Nike outfits. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to this Lululemon. And check it out. Go to this Lululemon for men. Right? So, I, you know, I said my pre-budget. And I was like, yeah, I got my pre-budget. So let's go. Man. First of all, the Lululemon store got the little, it's like a little closet for men. The men's section. 
Right, so Lululemon ain't really, I don't think it's really for men, but they're like, you know, if a man's going to be in here with his wife or his significant other or the person, a woman, his mom or somebody's buying him workout equipment, we got to have something for the men. So they create a section, a real small one. I'm in there, I'm looking around, I'm like, man, yeah, these prices? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing the, the Lululemon. I'm not doing it. Right, so some things I'm going to spend a lot for, so I spend $20 for a pot roast, right? I will, I do that, but I ain't spending $12 for a slice of pie. Not doing it. I'm not doing it. So I'm frugal about some things, other things I'm going to spend. And so I, that, you know, I, that got me thinking. You know, so I do got a pair of Fuchis, Fuchi sunglasses. Got my Fuchis. They they look cool. I mean, you can't see the, the G and the F. Like, you can't see it together because it's F-G-U-C-C-I. And so the G is silent in the Fuchi. So I got a black pair. You know, they was like $8. But they sunglasses. You know, I can't see anywhere. I, I got prescription glasses, so I just need something to just throw on, right? And so, I, you know, I'm glad I got the Fuchis because they the way they look, they fly. To me, I look good in them, right? And so, you know, Fuchi didn't make a blackface sweater, right? So I didn't have to, I canceled Gucci. Not that I ever bought a Gucci because I hadn't, but I canceled the Gucci. I didn't cancel the Fuchi. So I was glad that Fuchi didn't have the, you know, the blackface sweater. So I could still rock the Fuchi. I know where to get them on 23rd Street, in Oklahoma City. <laughs> I ain't going to say who. I don't want to put nobody out there. But if I want to give me some Fuchis, I know where to go get them. So I'm going to be wearing my Fuchis. Right? You know, so they more affordable, and I look good. That, that's my requirements. More affordable, I look good, bootleg, we going. Like, you know, like kids. Sometimes kids don't care if you got bootlegs. I don't think kids care. Like kids, they just, kids want to be out there. Right? When I was growing up, I had the zips. I wore the zips. I didn't have the Converse. I, my mom wasn't paying for the Nikes, right? Like I had the, I had the zips. I was I was doing the, the, uh, uh, the one, two in the sand, and then the slide zip to, to form the Z. I was doing that, right? That was my thing. And so Halloween, I looks out for the kids, right? So I never get mad. Hey, that's on her. I don't, I don't, my kids try to chastise me. I have to hear, daddy, daddy, daddy. Like I get, I get the two, two musketeers. Like the two musketeers, I'm more affordable than three musketeers. I get the M&Ns. Like the M&Ns, peanut, it's good. It's less sugary than M&Ms. So the M&Ns and the Two Musketeers, they going in the kids' bag. The kid don't know. The, the wrapping is kind of similar, right? And so, you know, some brands are just overrated, especially when it comes to candy. I'm going to get the bootleg joints. For the kids, they get home, they get to eat it. I'm sure their parents ain't checking. You know, the kids, they, they love they love the candy. It's bootleg, right? And so for me, again, I got authentics. I got bootlegs, right? But I do it for celebratory things. You know, labels are... Not my lifestyle, right? But if I do something good, you know, I'm going to bust the label. I'm going to bust down label on it. I, I got to do it, right? And so, but my neither nor. Woo! So, I've been doing research. So, like, the last 24, uh, I, haven't ate, I haven't eaten pork in, like, I don't know, 36 months. And I haven't eaten beef in, like... 19 months, right? And so my chicken consumption is coming down. I told myself, so last year, I ran 101 miles. I told myself I was going to run 100 miles. So I, I was not in a WA since I wasn't 100 miles and running, but I was running to get the 100 miles. You understand what I'm saying? And so 
I got the 100 miles, and I said, you know, I need to put, take care of my body intake. So I work out, but I need to take care of my body intake. Like last week, I was in the gym. I benched the 225, three sets of eight. Did the deadlift, 225, three sets of 10. Did the squats, 225, three sets of five. Like I'm powering up my body, you know, because I'm in this southern confederate seceded from the union state and city. So I might have to get somebody up off me. So I feel confident about my strength. You know, I don't got old man strength like my pops, but I got some strength that'll get you up off me, right? And so I'm like, I got I to gotta feed my body. So I told myself by 12, 31, 19, I'm going to be a vegan. So I read all this stuff about veganism, about black vegans, about vegetarianism, right? And so the other day, I was watching this clip by Gucci Mane, who has some of the, the same sentiments that I had, but it made me feel good, so I'm gonna play this clip <laughs> and I'm, I'm gonna talk about it on the backside. Inspiration because listen, I was 290 pounds. Now I'm 190 pounds. I lost 100 pounds. You, so, you 190 right I'm 190 right now. Look at this. Huh? I said I'm 190. So check this out. You can do it mm -hmm. if I can do it. You and me for inspiration. Because oh, oh. I'm seeing a lot of y'all, man. Y'all look terrible. You're so fine. <laughs> I concur, Gucci Mane. I see a lot of y'all. Y'all looking terrible. <laughs> Ooh, man, I've been back in the day. I used to see, just even now, I see dudes that I was around that I kind of admired now. Man, they out here looking like they couldn't even pick up a sandwich without being out of breath. <laughs> And so, you know, I, I want to make sure my body is right. Seeing Gucci Mane in that clip, man, he looked good. 190? That brother is ripped up. And I'm like, no, no, I don't know if I can get down to 190. Like, I weigh 215. If I get down to 190, whoa, I'm teaching with my shirt off for sure. 100%. Because I'll be all cut up. I'm trying to get like young Bruce Lee. Change connection Bruce Lee. That's what I'm trying to get. And so, but I love... I love the concept of veganism, right? But in the back of my mind, like my like my daughter, my daughter had a situation experience with my daughter that made me be like, I don't know if I can do this veganism thing, right? Because I want to do it, right? And so it seems like every time I go somewhere, if there's a lot of choices and salads and all this, but they got uh, avocados. Yeah. I hate avocados. I hate them. Avocado is a, is, a, is a representation of me having to shift my paradigm. Like, if I can't get over this avocados, if I can't do it, I'm not going to be able to be a vegan. It's just going to hurt me because I want to do it. I, I, I love barbecue chicken breast, but I can get rid of it. I'm, getting, I'm shifting it out now. But avocados, you know, and my daughter Isis, she, you know, my daughter Isis, she's 16 now. Beautiful young lady, had a 16th birthday party. We put a dance together. I should have put it on YouTube. It, it'll get a million views because I showed out that night. But we did a dance and the people came out and party with and it was cool. But every time I think about menus and avocados, you know, think about when my daughter was like a month and a half old. You know, at the time I ain't had no job. I got laid off, so I spent a lot of time with her. I was kind of raising her, you know, doing my thing. My mama was out there getting the bag, giving me, you know, support that I needed, 
right? And so, a couple times, yeah, I had to change her diaper. Man, <laughs> I can't get that memory out of my head. Like, that's avocados. Every time I see avocados, I think about me changing my daughter's diaper and how... Yeah, it was just looked like avocados, all grinded up. It put, you put water in the avocados and maybe a couple pieces of corn and a, uh, a half-eight carrot. <laughs> that's, that's, what I, that's how I was dealing with it. Every time I think about it, I'm like, I want to be a black vegan, but, man, ISIS, I can't be one because of my daughter. I try to eat the food, and I see the diaper with the... It, it just bothers me, right? I can't I can't do it, right? That, that's my neither... Right, like avocados is my neither, but my noise cottage cheese, because that's even worse. Like, I hate it. I hate cottage cheese. Like, it's difficult to swallow because of the consistency. Like, you get it halfway down, I feel like I'm throwing it up. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, if they, like, maybe if I could go to a place like yogurt. So, I like yogurt because it got flavors, right? So, if they had, like, cherry, grape, or tangerine, or lime cottage cheese, like, maybe I could do it then, right? Because I could close my eyes and kind of eat it. So, you know, I, I tried it. I like, I, I like I tried it. I got bagels. So, I like bagels. And so, putting, instead of cream cheese, like, that's that's cottage cheese adjacent. Instead of the cream cheese, I, I would take the bagel and dip it in the cottage cheese and take a bite out of it. And it wasn't the same. So, then I tried to put the, the, I tried to put the cream, the cottage cheese on the croissants. And it just still ain't the same. I tried to toast regular bread. And I just... Cottage cheese is just, it's just gross. Like, I try to eat it like a sandwich. It just don't work. It don't work for me, cottage cheese, right? And I love my kids. Like, I love Isis. I love my son, Osiris. But, you know, I don't even want to tell y'all about, really, one time, like, like Osiris, was, I thought he was potty trained. He was, like, three and a half. He was doing really well. And we thought he was there because he had been potty trained for, like, you know, ten months. He was doing his thing, you know, in one day, because I love strawberry milk. Now, I got some strawberry milk because I used to go to the donut place all the time. Like, that part of the reason why my A1C was like 5.7 now, because I ate too much sugar when I was young. I'm thinking all the donuts that I shouldn't have got. But anyway, I got the strawberry milk, and I remember, I, I, like, I left it on the dashboard in the car. And so, I came back, and I, I got it and, and put it in the bag and everything. And then I put it in the refrigerator and gave it to him. Later on that night, he drunk it, and, you know, it was a hot summer day. You know, and then, you know, his draws, his draws after drinking, <laughs> after, after eating that, drinking that strawberry milk, like it's, it reminds me of cottage cheese, right? And so, you know, even though I want to be a vegan, like it's just spilling out the side, it's, <laughs> it's spilling out the side, out the side of his draws, and he was just standing there crying, it's just, <laughs> it's sad, I mean, it's funny now, but you know, here's my kids. My kids are the reason why I can't really embrace being vegan, right? Because they, you know, avocados and cottage cheese, right? And so it's just, uh, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn. 12, 31, 19, I'm going to be a black vegan if I can get my mind off my kids being young, right? And associating, yeah, like associating that with like, with, like food that I eat, like I gotta eat. I, I feel like I'm eating right out the diaper, like right out their diaper or right out his drawers. Whenever I see cottage cheese, yeah, and avocado, so I can't, I can't do it, right? You know. And so, what we not gonna do, right? It's, we at minute fifty nine, like we rolling. I'm good. I, I feel I'm in the cockpit. We rolling. 
So what are we not going to do? Here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to criticize us moving. Okay? We're not going to do it. This is my long around the way take. Red lives matter. And so I know all the time we've been saying black lives matter. I tell you, I've done lectures saying the only reason why I say black lives matter is because black lives have never mattered in the history of America. Right? We know, we know the origin story as black people, as descendants of our African ancestors. Like, we genocide survivors. That's who we are. We genocide survivors, plain and simple. But I watched Us movie, and I'm thinking, I left that movie saying, Red Lives Matter. Right? Like, it was a metaphor for me. It was a metaphor. And so, I don't, don't, don't want to do spoilers, but I'm going to cut to the chase on what we're not going to do. Right? So, there's one scene. Right? So, if you know, without giving spoilers... Us movie is about the people in the gutters. The people in the gutters who are not afforded an opportunity to make choices to make their lives better because they caught in the system that puppeteers them, right? So they can only make movements like the, that the system allows them to make, right? It reminds me of the parallel. It reminds me of slavery, you know, then no slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, right? We got all these barriers, parallels to a, a black existence. But the movie essentially is about people who don't have the freedom to choose. They have to essentially do what the system allows them to do, right? Until one day, there's a rebel like Nat Turner who used to be one of the people that control the system. But ended up leading a revolt of sorts, right? And all the people that this hero is with, they all got on red to get their freedom, right? So it reminds me of this Du Boisian two-ness that black people, you know, we in America, but we under the normative gaze of whiteness, so we can't move freely. In the movie, the hero says, we are Americans. I felt that, right? It felt like generations of black people saying to the bourgeois and the wealthy, we are Americans, we matter. Our red lives matter, right? And not only that, we finna get our comeuppance. It's the day when we take over, right? And we're going to get these hands across America because we took over. We're going to move in unison, together, structured, to get y'all bums out of here because y'all controlling the system, right? It's about anarchy, right? I do this critical race theory work. A lot of times we talk about destroying the whole system and building a new. What could that look like in higher ed on your college campus? What would that be like? And so for me, right, you got this, the scene that's funniest to me where the brother says, hey, if you want to get crazy, we can get crazy, right? And then the family that's in the red, they change the ships on the movie. But the family that's in the red, to me, they're the heroes. 
the bourgeois black family that the movie centered on, they the villains to me because they represent the status quo that's oppressing the red lives and the red lives matter to me, right? Like, that's my take on it. And I've been reading all these intellectuals, so I love my brothers and sisters in the academy, but they do too much with the analysis. Please, don't write a dissertation in the Atlantic. I love the Atlantic. It's extra intellectual. I, I do. I love it. I swear that I do love it. I, I aspire to write in it one day and contribute to the intellectual progression of society. I really want to do that. I really do. However, we can't analyze everything, academics. Come on, y'all. Like, like sometimes it's just simple. Red lives matter. That's what the movie's about without me giving it away. Sometimes it's just simple. Just accept the simplicity. So what we're not going to do is clown Jordan Peele because you ain't understand the movie. It was beyond your reach. That ain't his fault. That's your fault. So don't, don't be hating. I've seen plenty of people hating. It ain't Get Out. Okay? What movie was Get Out? I can make an argument that Get Out is, the, is in the top five horror movies ever. Like The Shining or uh, Freddy Krueger. I like Freddy Krueger, by the way. Or movies like that, they barely over Get Out. Get Out was a psychological thriller. Because it could actually be Armitage out there. That's, that movie's about, Get Out is about the gentrification of the black body. Right? Which I can make a parallel. is happening right now doing March Madness. Because those black athletes ain't getting paid nothing to make NCAA extra rich. But I won't make that parallel, right? I won't go there. But that's what Get Out's about. He might never make another movie better than Get Out. Right? Kendrick may never make another album better than To Pimp a Butterfly. That was his magnum opus. He showed out on that, on that album. It was hot. Come on now. Don't criticize Jordan Peele because you ain't going to never make a Get Out or Us movie. So hand that man your money. I'm going to go back and see it again on Tuesday when it's $5. Again, I said authentic or bootleg. So, you know, I already gave him the $51 for my whole family to see it. At 9.30. So we gave him the big bag. Now I'm going to give him the little bag. So that's what we're not going to do. We're not going to criticize Jordan Peele. He's a great director. Made the transition from comedy to horror. I saw him on TV saying he ain't going to cast nobody white as a lead in his movies. Because he didn't already seen that movie. And I was like, yes. I gave him the golf clap. I should have gave him the ISIS clap. Yay, yay. Yeah, I was like, that's what's up. We just seen that movie. That don't make him racist because he wants to center the black narrative. Nothing's wrong with that. It's, it's okay. The majoritarian narrative, we've heard enough of it, seen enough of it, right? It's okay for black people to say, we want to talk about us from our point of view, right? Excuse the pun. But I loved it. So that's what we're not going to do. We're not going to critique my man Jordan Peele. Because I guarantee you, Us movie is the best horror movie of 2019. Right? And it already made more money than Get Out. Right? But y'all say it ain't as good as Get Out. So I need y'all to get out. Get out of here with that mess. But so, we transition to Tom Bow. Tom Bow is my favorite section. Because it's the time when I get to answer the DMs of the listeners. And so, I only had one. I had a conversation that spilled into the DMs about Tom Bow. 
right? And so I ain't going to say who it is, again, unless you send me the voice clip and you give me permission to use your name so the public can hear you. I'm not going to say who you are. But we had this conversation, and it brought into this question. Can you cheat if you're not married? I'm going to let that silence. I'm going to let y'all bathe in the silence for a second. Yes. Can you cheat if you're not married? So I make the argument. I'm making the argument that you can't cheat if you ain't married. Right? So if you ain't married, what you cheating? What, I mean, marriage, when I got married, I took an oath before God, my community, my wife, my I'm like, hey, I want to spend the rest of my life with this one person, right? And the ordained minister who was blessed by God, right, married us. We got married. We signed the license. So now we married. So now I can cheat. Well, wait, wait, hold on, wait. I mean, I, so, let me, so let me clarify. That don't, that don't mean I can cheat because, you know, I don't want to burn in bed moment. I don't know if y'all seen burn in bed. Farrah Fawcett, check it out. I don't want a burning bed moment, right? Or what's love got to do with it moment. Like, I don't, want, I don't want none of them moments. I'm trying to avoid all them type of moments, right? So I can't cheat, but I can cheat because I'm married. Because I, I got a union. So if I cheat, I gave my vows before God. So if I break them vows, I'm cheating. But before we got married, if I was with another woman, I wasn't cheating because I wasn't married. I didn't have no bond. We just had an agreement. It's like a uh, gentleman's handshake. We agree, no contract, right? So I can't break the contract that I didn't sign. Marriage is the contract. Otherwise, we're just handshaking out here. So if you got ladies, if you have your guy that's your number one guy, but you got a number two and number three guy, if your number one guy finds out about it, he can't get mad. You ain't his wife. You ain't married to him. You can do whatever you want. Because you ain't got no bond. That's the contract. So to me, that's the difference. We handshaking. I'm going to loan you $50,000. Handshake, I'm going to pay you back. <laughs> well, I, I mean, if you don't pay me back, do, can I be mad? I don't think so. We didn't have no contract. So somebody would say, well, you, I took you for $50,000. He took me $50,000. I don't think so. Because I should have got a contract. The contract is what binds. If you don't pay me back, I got the paperwork that says I gave him the 50000 Then I can sue him to get the 50000 back. Then I'm going to hit him again because I had some emotional distress for extra money, right? Because I need extra money for my emotional distress. So I'm going to hit him twice. But if I ain't have a contract, it's just my word, right? So she gave you your word, guys. So she had a guy two and three. Did she break her word? Nah, it's just it's just one word. Like um philanthropy, right? That's just a word. Like hermeneutics. Or, you know, um, I don't know, pick a word. Interpreting, you know, leadership, governance, diaspora. Pick a word. It's just a word. It don't mean that it's they're committed to not breaking the bond because they don't got no contract. And I don't want to say who it is, but that's a great, we've been debating about it in the DMs. They believe that once you say, I'm just going to be with you, you don't need a contract. Because your word is your bond. Like East Coast MCs used to say back in the day, word is my bond. Rakim was the first person I heard say that. 
He just got to say, I'll take seven MCs, put them in a the line. Take seven more brothers who think they can rhyme. And then it takes seven more before I go for mine. And that's 21 MCs ate up at the same time. Yes. Rakim a lot. Check, check it. If y'all don't know about it, check it out. Eric B. Rakim, old school MC. He's pretty hot to death. But anyway, word is bond. That's what she said. Man tell her she his only woman. He better not be with nobody else. Even though he ain't married? Come on, man. Ain't no contract. So that's why I stand on it. I want to hear what y'all think about it. Y'all can DM, get in the, we on Twitter, Facade Podcast, at Facade Podcast. You can at B. Hoskins me, and we can further this conversation. Because I don't think you can cheat if you ain't married. Right? And that, that was my, I had several conversations. So that's my talking about. Last time I had two questions, but that was my question with the statement. No, you can't cheat if you ain't married. You can cheat if you're married, if you want to die, depending on who you're married to, or if you want to get, you know, your the things that you own severed from your ownership or your hair severed. Like, some people seriously, way too serious about the marriage thing. You know, you cheat. Some people forgive, but some people definitely don't forgive, right? So you can, I think you can't cheat unless you're married. Not that you can't cheat unless you can deal with the consequences. So we off that. We're, we're at an hour and 12 minutes, right? So this is the last block. This is the detangle. And so I've been thinking about what I should talk about on the detangle, right? And so I had going to SMU in my undergraduate years. When I was a young man, right, I wasn't as disciplined as I am now, right? So I was involved in some tomfoolery. So I broke a couple hearts. I stood in violation with some black women. But me joining my illustrious fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha, me and my line brothers, you know, you got brothers, we had a fraternity house, you got, as you go through life, young men, you're going to meet men that you think y'all bond is forever. That bond ain't going to last forever. Even though you think it should, it ain't. It just ain't gonna last for whatever reason, right? You know, and I, I got I got a few regrets in my life. There's a few things that I regret, but one of the things that I regret is a relationship that I had with my one of my line brothers. Like I won't say his name because I ain't got permission to speak on it. But I said and did some things as an undergrad that was terrible to him in particular, and I shouldn't have done that, right? And so. He called me out the blue this week. When I seen his number in my phone, I was like, man, something must be wrong. <laughs> that, was a, that was the first, that's not funny, but that was the first thing I thought about. Like, if he calling me, something wrong. He, something in his life horribly went wrong for him to call me. But we talked on the phone for like an hour. And I cried afterwards. Because that conversation was about redemption. Right? And so I asked him for forgiveness. And we just had a really good conversation. I don't know how we're going to move forward. But I felt like when we got off the phone, my chest was light. It was lighter. He told me he appreciated me opening up and unpacking my wrongness, my violation, my not being un unbrotherly. Is that a word? Is that, is that a word? My brother? Not, not brotherly? Okay. And me being not brotherly, right? I was in violation. 
And so I won't go into the details of our conversation, but you know, he forgave me. And it was it was the moment of redemption, right? And I, I bring it up because some people out there that then violated you, they hurt more than you hurt. And it's not that they're trying to get closure. It's that they want your forgiveness. Which to me is different, different than closure. Like they want your forgiveness. And they may not know how to say it to you. Right? They may not know how to step to you. Right? And say, I'm sorry. For me violating you, these are the things that I did. I was a terrible person. Because trust me, as an undergraduate, I was a terrible person. Right? I said a whole lot of things. I was, I was hyper-masculine. I was heterosexist. I was, you know, I was, I was hyper black. Like, so I tell students all the time, like, your identities don't gain awareness simultaneously. Like, being black, I got my nose pierced, ears pierced. I was wearing a kufi just because. Like, dashikis, I got dashikis I still wear now that I was wearing in 93, right? So my blackness, my elevation of self-awareness with blackness went up through the roof. But my respect for understanding what it means to be a gay black man, I done had an understanding, right? Or I was saying, I was just, I was just, I wasn't a good person back then. I was developing. Again, I was not as disciplined as I am now as a person. And so, if people want to reach out to you to tell you they're sorry, they're not necessarily going to get at you, right? Some of them, some of them situations from the past ain't about retribution. It was a different art. It's about redemption. And so sometimes to complete the circle, you got to let people talk to you about how they harmed you to make them whole. But sometimes you got to talk to people about how you harmed them to make you whole. Right? And so, you know, that that concludes this Facade Podcast, Season 1, Episode 3. Next up, April 14th, that's when we dropping, we buy weekly, right? So we come out every other week, right? Two times a month. In the summer, once the semester wraps up, we're going to ratchet up. So we're going to be coming out every week. We're going to shift to weekly, right? And I'm not a ratchet, so I don't know nothing about being ratchet, even though I think that's a sexist term because it's only applied to women, right? So we didn't even get into Cardi admitting that she was drugging, raping, and robbing men before she got put on. That's a whole other discussion into what some term is ratchetness, but I won't get into that. But we're going to ratchet up the schedule because in the fall, the Facade Podcast, whoo, I got a big announcement to make. But I ain't going to make it until later. But we're going to do some things. So anyway, on that note, I want to thank all of the listeners. Go to at Facade Podcast. On Twitter, at Dr. B. Hoskins. On Twitter, follow me on both those mediums. We're getting ready to launch a Facade Podcast Instagram. Facade Podcast, excuse me, Instagram. that y'all can uh, click on, we're going to do some things, right? We're on Spotify exclusively, period. We're on Apple exclusively, period. Subscribe. Listen. Leave your perspective in the DMs because I want to hear it. I'm not beyond reproach. This is an exercise in my self-healing, not in my being egomaniacal. So step to me. Let me know what you think. 
It's all about the streets. Son of Hip Hop offering the best cultural punditry on earth. Signing out. Peace.